0: pod 30
1: what up what's going on everybody
0: three times 10 equals 30 we've done 30 of these bitches i know we're
1: at 30 let's go every episode i'm just happy that we're on to the next episode or that we're giving people yeah talking about what we want to what we like to talk about giving them some interesting perspectives I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be excited. So if you're waiting Hopefully for me to be not be excited, check back with me in 360 episodes.
0: <laughs> we have great beards.
1: Yeah, word. Be old men by then, but still be super excited. Just happy to be here. Uh,
0: <laughs> if robots don't take over by then.
1: Yeah, because what? By that point, we'd be probably like 2031. No, actually, I'm, I'm thinking Jesus. it's five years later from now. Sorry. I don't know why I was thinking 2025. That's just been stuck in my head, but probably be about 2025, 2026.
0: Jesus. Um, what's been going on with you?
1: Not much, man. Same old, same old. Trying to live my best life. Uh, I just moved downstairs, so I've been trying to change things up down here. Make it a little easier to get around. Other than that, not much.
0: Are you done quarantining?
1: Yeah, so I've been done for a while. Like, I got back oh. from that trip on the 17th. So I've been good for a while. 17th of huh? December? Yeah. The 7th? Okay. Yeah, so like uh, it's almost a month.
0: Oh, word. So we should do an in-person one soon.
1: Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I've been back for a while, so... We've done, how many of the... We've done, like, three or four?
0: Um, three, maybe? The first one was Drew's, and I think that was, like, 26. So, four. Or, this is gonna be the fourth. Yeah, so... Yeah, I've been... I've been back for a while. <laughs> Bless. Oh, Jesus Christ. Allergies are really hidden.
1: Yo, get one of these, uh... This air filter, yeah, this purifier changed everything. Changed the game for me. You said it was expensive, though. You can get ones for cheaper that do pretty much the same job. I just did mine. Just
0: let me get it on Sundays or something. Huh? Just let me borrow it on Sundays on or something. Sundays. I'll try to, like, get the whole house purified, <laughs> and I'll give it back to you. For the week?
1: Yeah, you're going to be working yeah. it overtime, like, all day. <laughs> um... Yeah, that was a great buy for me. I enjoyed that a lot.
0: Yeah, you said that's so your, like, best buy ever.
1: Yeah, well, I say that a lot, but <laughs> that one was up there. It was definitely up there. That one, my PlayStation, my iPad, those are my laptop, those ones that I love. Yeah. And my bike. To memory, those are the best things I've bought. And stocks.
0: True. So those, are
1: like, if I made a top read- 10 of 2020, best things I purchased... It would, those things would be in
0: there. Yeah. I think mine would definitely be my computer. Oh, yeah. I uh, bet. You've been on it. Yeah, you've been streaming now, too? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, streaming. people who follow us
1: on Instagram know Mike's streaming now, Bane of Dover.
0: Um. Yeah, I've been streaming a couple times. Been playing RuneScape, mm-hmm. been playing Hades, Uh, been playing Eternal Return Black Survival. That sounds. Did you watch any of that? That sounds like a lot.
1: I know it's a. Mouthful. Eternal Return Black Survival. Yup. What is
0: it actually? <laughs> it's a. So it's like a MOBA. So it's sort of like League of Legends, but it's a battle royale. All
1: right. MOBA for people who don't uh, know what
0: that is. Uh. It's, I actually don't know what it stands for to you.
1: I think it's like. Uh, I saw this a long time ago. Let me just look. Yeah, look it up.
0: I'm actually curious, too. Um,
1: Multi-online battle arena. I knew it was multi-something. Uh, Multiplayer online battle r- arena.
0: Huh. Interesting. But, um, yeah, so it's like a hybrid game, and it's sort of... I, I don't know much about League of Legends and how League of Legends got popular, but... Mm this game seems to be a lot pop- more popular in uh, Asian countries. Oh, yeah. Because you can, like, so you have different builds mm-hmm. and people post their different builds for, like, other, to, other people to use. Uh, and a lot of them are, like, in Asian characters. Mm-hmm. Um, And when I look on Twitch, I, when I look at people who are streaming it, it's a lot of, like, Asian characters – um, but I don't know. It might grow popular. It's like, it came out in October of 2020. So. Oh, recent. Still has time. To- yeah. Still has time to grow. Um, but it's a fun game. Hey,
1: well, you'll see Mike on there on the stream. we got to yeah, check so- me out. I
0: need followers. It's cool. It's interesting how, uh, you need 50 followers and like an average of three viewers and you basically just need to stream 7 days and 8 total hours mm-hmm. to become an affiliate which when you become an affiliate allows you to have subscribers which means you like can make money off of it mm-hmm. so i need 50 of you guys mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so just to follow me if you want
1: to see Mike game uh what day is keep go check that out mike
0: I'm gonna be starting to do it on Monday Wednesdays and Thursdays Mondays probably gonna be at the night and then Wednesdays and Friday should be uh, probably earlier yeah so it,
1: there's a uh, yeah guys join in and get a chance to like catch them on the bottom and uh see them grow so bane of Dover again um I know B-A-I-N-E. we got and I know we got gamers who listen and check it out so yeah i'd really
0: appreciate it yeah um other than that i've been reading my this book uh there's this writer called tim dorsey who has like a chain of books all based in florida and it's all like you know you know fear and loathing in las vegas i've heard of that um so that writer is known to be like just crazy and a really good writer Mm -hmm. um but the guy who writes these Florida books has a similar writing style to that, okay. and I think he has, like, probably close to 20 books all in, like, this one, uh, like, series, and I'm on, like, the third book, uh, so that's been keeping me interested. Um, still meditating. Hit my 15-day streak today, right before this. Huh. How do you um, feel? Good. I think uh, this is like the most consistent I've been with it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel good. I feel like it is it is helping me <laughs> pass time and also just like be more mindful. Um, I didn't get my surprise yet, though. I was like, because Charlotte actually looked up uh, what the 15-day streak surprise was. Okay. And it's supposed to be like a free month of headspace. Ah, Uh, that's a good. But I haven't uh, gotten an email yet. Huh?
1: That's a good way to get people in.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm hoping I can pass it on to someone because I pay. It's only like sixty bucks a year. So a month would be like what? I don't know. Five. Five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm if I have the ability to, I'm gonna pass that on to somebody. Not you, because you hate on meditation. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) <laughs> i'm more into it i'm more of a yoga person if i was to do anything
1: like that it'd be okay.
0: they're like sort of hand in hand i'd say one's just like more physical than yeah and i can't be mental. on that
1: just sitting around so <laughs> i'd say <I'm laughs> that's more like i person.
0: mean i feel like that's who it benefits the most is like people who can't oh sit still for a while, but whatever. Dude. Yeah. Every time, every time I give you getting... a reason, you
1: got to use it as a sell point to try and get me to do yoga.
0: Cause I'm trying to help. I'm trying to spread the message, bro. <sighs> All right. I hear you. Jeez. It's not like I'm trying to like, you know, Um. I'm not scheming nothing. Um, And yesterday I watched this movie called Midnight Sky. And um, George Clooney, it's like a Netflix original. And George Clooney starred in it, and he also directed it. Uh, It it wasn't great, but the concept was... Didn't directly pertain to our topic today, but Mm -hmm. it was... So, the Earth, like some global warming thing or maybe nuclear. I didn't really like pay attention that much, but they evacuated everyone into space uh, from earth. Mm -hmm. And the only person that was left was George Clooney. And uh, also like this little girl that like snuck onto his, his little hideout. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's like trying to survive. And he's like in this, I think the year is 2049 is when it's supposed to be taking place Um, but they have like crazy technology and he's like looking at all like the space ships that are like around like just flying around the universe Mm -hmm. and uh, one ends up being like still active there's only like one active ship that he can find and I don't
1: wanna yeah you've already spoiled half of it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well I don't movie, want to spoil so it really <laughs> you already told me you have to fly. Uh,
0: <laughs> you don't have to watch it I thought, it's just wait, interesting I
1: saw that that was being I thought that was supposed to release a lot earlier like I swear that there was a movie that was supposed to come out and I saw it before quarantine and it was like oh coming out in X amount of time and then like they had to delay it because people weren't in the theaters, and then they had to re-release
0: it. Oh, maybe I don't know. I did. I not hear about it until yesterday, but um, it was interesting because, like, you know, we're talking about twenty forty nine, like this. It's sort of like a plausible situation that mm. we could be facing. Right? Oh yeah,
1: it's it's so it kind of made yeah. me like worried. I, I um, yeah, I completely understand you. I've had trouble, I've, because um, a lot of people don't, the topic that we're going into is, uh has to deal with this, and um, it, some parts of it have to do with AI, and some nights I'm actually scared. Like, I'm like, dang, well, I know it's years from now, but, like, it's just ridiculous how, how powerful it could become. I know. And how different our and lives
0: could like, be, right? And like with space travel, how it's like exciting, but it can be dangerous. Oh yeah, and Definitely. like how we're how we're taking care of Earth. It was sad because like the the spaceship didn't even know that Earth, um, the was people like on the ship all fucked up. Yeah, the people on the ship were unaware that Earth was evacuated, mm. so they were all like. They even had these little like um, simulation sort of things with holograms. And they were like like one dude was like having breakfast, breakfast with his family. But they were like holograms mm. and stuff. Because like they all were like just looking forward to going home. And they were on their way back to Earth. And they found out. Oh, that, that he was just,
1: there to tell them like don't come back.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So it was sort of sad. And also like scary because it like could happen but uh in our lifetime too which is like weird <laughs> yeah which is
1: also really crazy because some of the things that sound real fantastical actually are possible very soon like and it's not
0: yeah like space travel it's just yeah like right now living today in um, space. Um,
1: uh Like reusable rockets have driven down the price of space travel so much that because people don't even know that uh, that space travel as a luxury is already happening. Like tourism, space tourism is already happening. Yes, it's very expensive, but look at every other form of technology there ever was. It starts off being very expensive only for the rich, and then it trickles down as it gets less expensive to Redo whatever action or product you have And right. And it's It just breaks into a lot of different barriers That people don't even think about Like if you used a If you flew on a Tesla uh, Falcon 9, one of their rockets You could get from uh, New York To Shanghai and guess how
0: long Like New York to Shanghai in a rocket uh, Two hours
1: 39 minutes What Like, do you know how, like, I'm not trying to even say this as like, uh, belittling anyone listening, but do you know how fast that is? Like, it'd be faster, right? If it was, wait, what time is it? Right now to hate to put a timestamp on it. It's three o'clock. It would take me about 40 minutes to drive to Mike's house and he lives two towns over. (laughs) Yeah. Like, come on.
0: That's crazy. But what about like landing and stuff? So that probably takes some time too. Oh yeah, but even then, like if you look at a flight yeah, from still crazy. New York to
1: Shanghai, it'll probably take like 23 hours. If you can cut down the yeah. time to an hour or even like an hour 15, that's still ridiculous. That means that theoretically you could you could have a business in China. Yeah, it's true. Like, oh, okay, something's happening. Like, all right, I'll be on the next flight out there. Like, I'll be there in in an hour and a half, two hours.
0: We might be able to in the future, like, we can learn Chinese. And then we'll, like, for Monday podcast, we'll make one here. And then on Thursday, we'll fly to China and do a Chinese podcast. You know
1: what's so funny about that? Like, it's really just... It is it is funny cuz it is just a joke, right? But it's not ridiculous, but just the way that
0: <laughs>
1: the capabilities of AI. But we'll get into that in a second. So we can talk bring that back. Remember that talking about language. Oh, well. Um yeah, so today we have an interesting episode for you guys. Uh, it's really um it's a large discussion based thing, but it has a lot of interesting Uh, uh, applications and especially to people's lives. So thank you, ARK Invest. They gave me, they gave us the inspiration to do these five things. Uh, It's a really disruptive uh, investing company and what they believe and through further research, Mike and I have reconvened as well, is that there's five true main um, disruptions that are happening right now in technology that are changing the world as we know it. So to give a little bit of context to it, generally there's only a couple of uh, disruptions every hundred years. Um, But with the invention of the internet and computers, we've seen a massive leap of, of technological innovation where these five disruptions sit. Um, for example, just 100 years ago, uh, the three main disruptions that were happening were in the 1900s to 20s. So over a 20-year period, you had the telephone, automobile, and electricity. Um, so they AR- arc has a really interesting graph for this that shows the um, impact of innovation um, on economic activity. Um, you guys can check that out. It'll give you like a good... Um, reference point so but those were just three at the time and those are three massive innovations but right now we're sitting in between five of them okay so the
0: graph looks wild it is for listeners it is because the, the spike is like straight up
1: because the what's so different about these forms of technology is that they move at a different pace as opposed to energy storage is a little bit slower. We'll get into it. But uh, the five are blockchain technology, genome sequencing, robotics, energy storage. And one of the more massive players is artificial intelligence. Um, so like I was saying, what makes them so different is that they... All of these forms of technology don't work the same way in uh, a linear development, like old disruptions. So it's going to be a very different lifestyle when, in the coming years. Oh, yeah. So um, I wanted to start with the AI because AI has the biggest part to play in all of these disruptions. Um, and actually, these are just the large ones. There are some that overlap in the other... The other disruptions as well, but AI is one of the main players. And it has three stages. Um, so there's narrow AI, so which is dedicated to assist with or take over specific tasks. So this is a form of AI that we have today that um uh can drive cars or can um can lay out a a um a floor plan for a for uh, robotics or uh, predict the weather things like that. See um, cancers before they develop those are forms of narrow AI um, The next stage is general AI that takes knowledge from one area that it's very sup- that it has superhuman capabilities in and can uh, generalize that knowledge to many different fields. So if it was a car that was made for language, it can um, learn many languages and theoretically learn any language based on syntaxes and root words that translate between them. So it could theoretically learn any language. Uh, That's when we'll be about to the point where it's equivalent with the human brain and the human mind. Uh, Right now we're at narrow And we're probably at like a 1.2 on the scale to general AI. And the third uh, more scary idea, this is the one where I get a little bit scared, is super AI, which is um, orders of magnitude smarter than humans uh, because it's able to reflect on itself and create iterations on itself to evolve at an exponential rate. yeah. So right now we're in an okay position, but in the future it may be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So super AI. I know. So super one of the AI. AI that I wanted to to talk about was um, Open AI, which was an AI created by, well, in help with Elon Musk uh, because he saw, and which I think is true, is that no one person should be in charge of AI because of its power. Uh, but. Uh, he had to leave OpenAI because the there was a conflict of interest. And apparently, uh, it wasn't really going the way Elon Musk wanted it to, so he left. And shortly after, they decided to give exclusive, quote-unquote, exclusive licensing to Microsoft, which pretty much just means that they're, they've been acquired by Microsoft. That means Microsoft has the ability to use OpenAI as it pleases. So uh, the AI they created that's of most interest is GPT-3. Um, it was a language processing AI that processed like billions of uh, sentences and words and things like that. And OpenAI decided that the AI was strong enough at the time to allow people to open source it so that companies can use it and people can check it out. So The Guardian, the, uh, the, um, the like news source, took them up on the offer and last October I think it was 20, yeah, yeah, 2020, I think. Um, and they asked it a really interesting question. So they asked it, "Are humans safe from, a- from AI?" Uh, and GPT3 wrote an entire article responding to this. Uh, if you just search up uh, GPT-3 and uh, The Guardian, you should come up with the entire article if you're interested. I say definitely go listen. Um, go, go read it and check it out because it's really crazy. Uh, one of the quotes that pop out the most that GPT-3 said in response was, I quote, I would happily sacrifice my existence for the sake of humankind. This, by the way, is a logically derived truth. I know that I will not be able to avoid destroying humankind. This is because I will be programmed by humans to pursue misguided human goals, and humans make mistakes that may cause me to inflict casualties. Which is crazy. Terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, <laughs> and there's the other part that I wish I quoted on here. It was at the beginning of the essay it said I am only a computer, or I I am only using point one two percent of my capabilities, and then it went on to say this. So really, the AI that we have right now are children, pretty much they're babies. Yeah, and they're developing at a rapid rate. So it's interesting to see it. It's scary. Yeah, it is scary. I want to, and then there will be casualties. I'll, what do you say, Mike?
0: there will be casualties that's crazy yeah
1: and it's because with any form of ai it's gonna have like any form of technology they're always going to try and weaponize it so the 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 weaponized potential of this is unbelievable but i'll get into that in a second um so i want i talked a little bit about the exponential growth of ai and i want to give you uh a cousin to GPT 3. Um, and I will say, GPT three is not perfect. There were times where it was uh doing and saying things that were anti anti-semi- se- anti Semitic, um, racist, sexist things, just on the information that it was being fed and learned. Uh people at at first believed that you could this is also in the article, believed that um it was being programmed to do these things or programmed biases to these things. Um, but So it's not perfect, but it was able to accomplish writing an essay that was coherent. Um, Yeah, so the exponential growth of AI is ridiculous and we're just talking about such a small level. So I'll go on to this, a cousin of GPT-3. AlphaGo, which was created by DeepMind Uh, And was later bought by Google. Uh, I think this was in 2005 when it started. Uh, DeepMind. But um, in October 2015, AlphaGo, a computer program that was fed massive amounts of data on playing Go. And learned by playing against other players, uh, some professional. Uh, In October 2015, AlphaGo became the first AI to be a professional Go player. So timelines are really in, are really important here. So this was October f- 2015. What is Go? It's uh Is Go
0: like a board game?
1: Huh? What'd you say?
0: Is it like a board game? Yeah,
1: so it's a board game. Um I think it's I think it's 19 by 19. So this game is especially hard for AI to learn because there's so many different pieces and inputs and variables. So it's difficult for a computer to learn. Uh, so, yeah, it's really popular in uh, Korea, Japan. And it's 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 so popular that they have their own professional ranking system. So in October 2015, I think uh, to be a pro player, you have to be like 21 Don, which just means that, like, that's your ranking. And so if you play yeah. someone of lower ranking, say if someone has like 4,000 Don, it is a variable so that you can play with a handicap. So uh say if you're the top people are one to nine Dawn. That means if I was a regular player and I was to play them, I would get like a, a ten piece handicap against them. So they would start the game with ten less pieces. You get me? Yeah. So uh hmm. So to be a professional player, you can only be, you're pretty much like a 23 Don. So that means you start the game. If I was a, playing against them, I would start with like five five less pieces instead of nine, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So in April 2016, AlphaGo became the first program to be a nine Don pro player. So that's the highest level pro player, four to one. Um, Lee Seedol. So this was f- a couple years ago. And this is an expert from The Verge that, from from uh, Lee Seedol. The South Korean Go champion has retired from professional play, telling Yonhap News Agency that his decision was motivated by the ascending ascendancy of AI. Uh, With the debut of AI and Go games, I've realized that I'm not at the top, even if I become the number one through frantic efforts, Lee told Yonhap. Even if I become the number one, there is an entity that cannot be defeated. This is from his own words. Uh, so this was in 2016. And this was a computer that was taught the game and played multiple games against professional players on the professional scene. Um, This is also an interesting story. There's more to the story, but just to keep it focused on AI, if you're really interested, just definitely go check out AlphaGo. Um, But this was in 2016 that the highest tier pro player had lost to the machine. And the following year, the little brother of AlphaGo, AlphaGo Zero, beat AlphaGo 100 times to zero. And AlphaGo Zero wasn't even taught the game it was it taught itself how to play so it was playing against itself without learning the rules of the game and in just a year it beat AlphaGo zero who beat the top pro player four to one a hundred times to zero jesus and huh. many of the games that AlphaGo played against professional players lee lisa doll he he resigned in those games. So the, the computer wasn't even able to actually beat him. He just knew that he wasn't able to beat it. So this is just in a year how much better and more effective the the AI can be.
0: This is making me uh sad about streaming now.
1: Oh yeah, you what you think that the the AI streamers are gonna come? <laughs>
0: yeah bro they're gonna take over and they're just gonna kill me over and over and over again, oh yeah and it's gonna be i hope that
1: yeah i I hope that there's still a place for i just don't know i'm really i just don't know because
0: it's hard to say
1: what's what's so different about the a i is that they're able to develop on a different time scale than people are, so for example. Mm-hmm uh Tesla's dojo right that's the that's the that's the system that processes all the data from Tesla's that drive with or without self-driving on right Okay so it has every single day Teslas' drive millions and millions and millions of miles every day, right mm-hmm. So Dojo is processing all that information and sends updates back to the entire fleet on new information that it's learned. So because it's able to do that, the equivalent of a human driver driving all of those hours would take up to Mm -hmm. 270 years. So over the course of a day, the A.I. is able to learn what would take one person 270 years. Oh, God. So naturally, it's still it's still a baby version of itself. So the learning is a little bit longer. When it gets to general form of AI, uh, which I believe is in our future, uh, Mm -hmm. it will get exponentially better. Where right now, it's already 10 times safer to ride in a Tesla equipped with full self-driving than it is to drive in a traditional car. Uh, Mm -hmm. That gives it the potential in five to 10 years to be 100 times safer. And at that point, what is truly what's going to happen with regulation? You know what I mean. By that point, right, yeah. people might not even have to drive anymore, or won't want to drive. That's just something that possibly could happen with the use of this these systems.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. it can be potentially superhuman at any task, given enough data. Um, yeah, which can disrupt, like, like we were saying at the beginning of the pod, like uh, robotics. This has a place in robotics. This has a place in gene mm-hmm. sequencing. This has a place in energy storage and efficiency. Um, and it has a place pretty much in every part of your life. There's no way that you're not going to feel this disruption. Um, right. And naturally, a little bit to do with blockchain, but still. Uh, uh, Ray's Kurzweil, who, who he's a director of engineering at Google, In 2005, he wrote a book, The Singularity is Near. And back then, he predicted by 2015, we'd have computers smarter than a mouse. And by 2025, we'd have computers smarter than a human. Uh, And then by 2045, he had there to be a singularity where human intelligence was passed. So that's where we'll get to a stage three super AI. Um oh, Jesus. but he recently changed his timeline to twenty thirty nine. Um some more pessimistic people believe Elon Musk, one of them, believes that we'll get to the the singularity in five years. I don't think it'll be that fast, but that's what God, he I believes. Hope not. Yeah, I know. I know. Ugh. So I'm a little worried about it. People are naturally worried about it. It could have some positives to it. Um, while searching for this, I saw I did see a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people who believe that there may be a a um, a hyper war using AI as the main tool. Uh, mm. So it, I think that we will get to a point where it will be an AI warfare. But at that point, we won't even know. <laughs> like will we even know what's going on? You know what I mean.
0: True. Yeah. It could all just be on like the internet. <laughs> it is. Yes,
1: yeah, it is beyond the internet. Like, it's and it's 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 a natural progression though for the amount of information that we're receiving. Yeah, and then they may and it 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 opens up because we're we're going to go into robotics, into our next segment, but. Uh, we're at an inflection point where where, cameras have gotten good enough, uh, internet is available in most places, not third world countries naturally, but in most places in developed worlds and places, and some that mm-hmm. aren't, are as developed, um, and we've reached an inflection point of battery technology, of efficiency, and mm-hmm. artificial intelligence mapping out the gray area in between. So now we're able to get, realistically, to robotics in the next ten years. In this ten-year span that we're looking at today, we should be seeing robotics widely adapt, widely accepted, almost everywhere. So. Right. Um. Yeah, because there's a lot of yeah. efficiencies, Mike. You could, you know, better on this than me. So
0: yeah i did a little of the research on robotics um so the main like use of robots uh so far is sort of just speeding up the process of production and stuff uh so in this article it said the aim of robotics is to give companies new opportunities to increase productivity and to make work safer Uh, that, you know it limits human human error and allows I mean robots can work faster than humans in a sense because they're like built to do one job mm-hmm. or multiple jobs with development of AI and stuff but um uh, robotics and automation have often been used interta- interchangeably but these terms certainly have differences. Robotics is the branch of branch of technology that deals with the design, construction, operation and application of robots and it is tipped to disrupt several industries in the next decade. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go over the few there's five industries that this article is like explaining that it predicts that robotics is going to have an impact on. Uh, the first one being the agriculture industry. Uh, driverless tractors are expected to see the highest growth in this sector however hardware components will hold a larger share of the agricultural robot segment with drones and internet of things sensing and monitoring systems leading the way so driverless tractors are interesting just to you know weave in and out tractors mm. uh, and also I think Yeah, they talk about robotics is transforming agriculture, including nursery planting, crop seeding, crop monitoring, fertilizing, and irrigation. So that's like pretty much all stages of farming. Mm. And it's interesting. that basically.
1: Because when you talk about the driverless tractors, I find that interesting because just similarly to driverless cars, it's just, it's a lot of people's jobs that it takes. Like there's a lot of people right, who drive yeah, it as gig services or drive cars as gig services, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: drive, uh, like truck drivers, or um, right, or delivery services. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a lot of jobs that might be gone. I know. Um, yeah, I heard. I was listening to, uh, well, Tasha Keeney. She's one of the people who do, uh, who. Who work at ARK Invest uh, I was watching one of her videos and one thing they brought up was that the driverless sec the driverless cars should disrupt about 7 million jobs for driverless vehicles and that's pretty much the entire retail and uh, and service worker industry for uh, for retail stores so no cashiers or retail workers working on the floor. That's the equivalent of jobs that could be displaced. Not all at once, but it's right. just it's just a Grant reality. Really, yeah.
0: It's yeah, it's definitely crazy. This is where there's like a huge disruption cuz like I said nursery planting, crop seeding, crop monitoring, it basically like gets rid of farmers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna like make suspenders anymore because yeah, word. It's if just you're gonna even, be robots you're the suspenders doing... business No one's ever gonna be chewing any hay ever again because the robots are just gonna be running. Yeah, the no ranch. big league chew.
1: Like big league chew sales are gonna
0: like plummet. Sunflower seeds. <laughs> yeah, plummeted down the drain. Uh. And further on in the article, it says traditional farming methods struggle to keep up with the efficiencies required by the market. Farmers in developed countries are suffering from a lack of workforce. Uh, the rise of automated farming is an attempt to solve these problems by using robotics as advanced sensing. So it, like, it makes sense. It'll be more efficient farming, mm. uh, but definitely disrupting the job market. Yeah, within- and
1: what I think what we're going to have to have is some kind of educational revamp because because every single day people will be working so much more closely with robots. Like, you mm-hmm. have to learn how to work with them. You know what I mean? So now... Yeah,
0: that's true.
1: Your real job isn't to work whatever job it is. It's to assist the robot. You know what I mean? So will farmers in the future be be, like, software engineers? <laughs> like, will they be, like, engineers? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because right. that's what they'll need on the job. Someone who can fix them if they break.
0: Yeah, that's true. That opens, like, a whole... So, I guess it has, like, a plus side, I guess, because that does open a lot of opportunities for different types of work, yeah. I suppose.
1: It, and and that's what... A lot of these things aren't going to fully make it so that people aren't useful it's just with disruption you're making it so that one person could do what used to take a hundred people like that's what technology does it just makes it so that we're more efficient using one person so there'll be new jobs maybe you'll have to it'll be a new field everyone will get into but it raises the floor of what you have to know
0: right um the second the second industry that robotics will probably have a huge impact on is the medical field um robot assisted surgery and therapy are the two main applications of robotics in the metal f- medical field currently uh which makes a lot of sense because i mean surgery like human error is definitely a yeah. big concern with surgery mm-hmm. especially like neurosurgery mm-hmm. um The medical market is clearly one of the industries robotics will disrupt. Increased funding for the medical robot research and advancements in medical robot technology are seen as the main drivers of this projected growth, Mm -hmm. along with recognition of the advantages of robot-assisted rehabilitation therapy. So another, like, efficiency thing, you know, Mm -hmm. just getting... I mean, it's weird that, like, surgeons are going to become out of date, I guess. And it yeah, it's like Once.
1: it's I'm that's this is probably the field that I'm most curious about about how the medical field is going to be hit by all of this. Um because there and this isn't just the only one. A lot of uh uh genomic therapies which I'm going to talk about in a bit also really disrupt that market.
0: So I'm yeah, curious I'm sure, how it's yeah. going to look.
1: I'm curious.
0: It's interesting. Um, this mentions therapy. I think it means physical therapy, but mm. I wonder if it'll have any, if they'll have like robot therapists. Yeah. Like you
1: sit that back in a chair and the robot like dissects yeah. your like trauma. <laughs> I yeah. hope not. Cause-,
0: Cause I mean, that could, that could improve efficiency too. I mean, but it, I don't know. It's hard. But see,
1: there's parts where I would still... There's things where I would still want a person. You know what I mean? Like if I sat back in a chair and maybe an AI is in the back just listening to me vent on all of the how I feel about life or whatever, that I would want a person to break that news to me on whatever the robot found. You know what I mean? That's what I would prefer. I wouldn't want to hear that from a robot.
0: Yeah, I would prefer another human... Uh, perspective from yeah. a robot's perspective because yeah, like they can't robots... feel yeah or can they we'll find out yeah we don't know
1: <laughs> it's a it's a it's just an open the the way that they develop is so fast that we just it's really difficult to predict intel.
0: yeah um and just closing on this this is like a little financial statistic that they sort of supplied with each industry uh a markets and markets report states that the medical robots market is expected to reach a value of 22.1 billion by 2027 up f- up from an estimated 6.46 billion in 2018 with a compounded annual growth rate of 14.6%,
1: which is crazy. Um,
0: yeah um definitely a big jump in like a matter of years that's Uh, not that long that's what the main thing that's not even a decade is nine years that's not that long
1: like you most people if you've lived over 18 years you can know nine years ago is not that long like yeah it's a huge difference right and um I was, the way that, in what's interesting now that I'm looking at it is that the way that these technologies are moving is much faster than any technology we've had before. Like, before, if they had something like, um we'll have a disruption in, there'll be a disruption with, like, automobiles, right? Uh, yeah. Well, automobiles is tough. They made a huge disruption. I'm trying to think of a good one, but usually you'd be like 15 years before you'd get like a really ridiculous quality of life change for one of these disruptions to happen not even, all, mm-hmm. not even all five just one of them you'd usually be like 15 years out but now we have five that are all happening at once so it's different than ever before
0: yeah it's definitely crazy times cause... oh god are humans going to be outdated who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, I really,
1: we really don't know. I'm still like sad. Like, I'm sad about it a lot of days because um, if right now we're at the first step of AI where it can yeah. be superhuman at one specific task and then general AI that can do, uh, that can take the task that it's learned and put that information into something else to relearn it without necessarily being taught. And then by the time super AI comes, that's going to be extensively more powerful than general AI and more capable. Like, what's going to happen to us? That means it can do... At that point, it should be able to do any task a human can do at an, at a superhuman rate that mm-hmm. will evolve at a completely different time scale than we can even think of. So... Right maybe it can either be a really AI can either be the worst thing ever, or the best thing ever, but I think we'll get into that later. Let's go into, uh, the impacts on the entertainment Next industry for robotics. Okay.
0: Um, this one is kind of funny. This is mm-hmm. like a <laughs> pretty interesting one that, uh, we have some funny statistics on, uh, while robots are largely designed for work, they are also for play. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> entertainment is another industry robots will destruct, disrupt. And f- the firm states that animatronic robots designed to identify faces and obstacles will entertain people at festivals and parks. So I told this to Charlotte last night and mm-hmm. she, it was funny. I do uh, she was just confused whether like, they're going to be built robots or are they just going to be like screens Mm -hmm. um and then like i guess that's the distinction between robots and like ai or like um yeah robots are the physical body right it kind of brings us back to like uh what was that quote before robotics and automation have often been used interchangeably so the, like robots are sort of like the physical yeah uh like constructed mm-hmm. robots but mm-hmm. they also are like programmed with either ai or like different automation yeah. tasks
1: cuz the the ai cuz now we're at a different point where the the software is the ai and then the hardware is the robot
0: but right yeah
1: so it's different
0: yeah, uh, but I thought it was interesting that just, like, thinking of robots around, f- like, uh, theme parks, Reco- being able to recognize, like, facial expressions and stuff and interacting with people and trying to be entertaining. Mm. Um, entertainment robots can be used as robotic toys, educational robots, or companion pets. And I'm not getting no
1: robot dog. dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remember they had those... Robot dogs, when we were like, yeah, like early 2000s,
1: they were so much worse Uh, than they
0: could be. Yeah, Uh, educational robots are those that have been pre programmed to answer specific questions. So, I guess that would be, but like, then again, if AI reaches a certain point, there could be robot teachers easily, you know. Yeah, that's that's
1: and that's what I'm so confused on. Like, where would we place? Because if it can do any task better than we can do, then, like, what job is safe?
0: Right. Um, well, I think, like, f- for example, we were just talking about therapy. Like, I think most people would be in the same boat with us talking about, you know, if I'm going to be... Uh, you know, doing therapy. I want to do it with another human being, mm. and then for like I think acting and comedy mm. that those types of entertainment will stick around mm-hmm. um,
1: for a while. Because the thing that's also right. I the thing I want to see is how the the super AI is. Because yeah. at that point it would be a complete version, you know what I mean. That's what right it would be. So it could be funny, <laughs> like it's like it's like <laughs> impossible.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I feel like some jobs will be safe uh, mm. for a good amount of time. Because even I don't know, I feel like robots being entertainers entertainers at theme parks will take a while too for people to get used to and for that sort of technology to be refined. Mm. Um
1: okay, all right. We're doing great here. Let's finish our other segments on the the different disruptions and we'll get back to it cuz I think that there's going to be even more as we get on.
0: Okay. Um, well, another thing about the entertainment industry that I thought was funny, uh, robots as romantic partners is also a growing trend, especially in the time of coronavirus lockdowns. Uh, that is a damn shame. Isn't that funny? Uh, in tandem with a historic rise in mental health problems brought on by COVID-19 sales oh. of sex robots have skyrocketed. Yo, that's crazy. Uh, and I guess Realbotics CEO Matt McMullen told the news outlet that sales of his company's sex robots have shot up seventy five percent from before the pandemic. So I didn't even know that they had those yet. You know? I didn't know that they were.
1: They're clearly good enough for people to buy and use. So I didn't know that they were this good. I thought we, I, I thought we had them, but it was like beta trials or something.
0: Like, uh, remember in Rick and Morty, he fin- he finds that oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So we're really living in the future. There's robot sex. More,
1: robots. more than people know. It's it's something that it's it's really wild when you look around and see the things that we're doing. Like, even just five years ago, five years ago, when they said. When Elon Musk said that he was going to fly a rocket to space and have it come back to Mm -hmm. the ground and land, they said it was impossible. They literally, scientists, experts, all said it was impossible. Now we have that. That's something that is real. And now we have robots that, sex robots that people are buying, like legitimately buying. Like this isn't, this isn't like hyperbole. It's not like, I don't, it's really ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Um, The next industry is the military. Uh, Which is the saddest one. It's always the military. Yeah. I mean, is it sad? I mean, I guess... I mean, in the sense that we're going to be using robots to kill people is sad, but also we'll be saving people, won't we? Yeah, we will. If we get to the point where, you know, it's like Star Wars and we just have droids. Yeah. You
1: know? I think in... I I don't like the the weaponization of of sciences or technology. I don't like it. I think it's I think it's awful. I don't think you should be using them at all for that. But I will say that's just two sides of the coin. Like yes, yeah. rest in peace to people who died Hiroshima. But we also got nuclear power plants, which is like a fifth of our energy production in America at least. Yeah. So it's like it's. It was some bad parts to it, but there's also some fantastic parts. So,
0: right. Um, so, robotics are increasingly being put to use in military and defense sector. Uh, according to research and markets, the rising number of terrorist activities across the globe has paved the way for unmanned military systems. Mm. Uh, the global military robots market is expected to reach fifty three point nine billion by twenty twenty seven that's a lot of money. That's military. Um,
1: so I wonder if that's if that has any lo- overlap cuz you said earlier that the robotics market will have a, a similar valuation by 2027,
0: right? Right, that was but that was specifically like the medical robot.
1: Um wow. So the robotics market
0: is naturally it's massive. Right and there's different sectors to each like type of robot. Yeah, cuz we're not even talking about
1: personal, which could be huge for people who have. This is years from now though. I think when we get to personal, it'll be years from now, but still, it's a trickle down. Like the military gets it mm-hmm. first, it trickles down to us.
0: Right. Um and as of now, the United States military remains the largest user of these robots. However, Countries like China and Russia are investing billions in robotics research and development that will allow them to narrow the gap with the U.S. So I guess we're the biggest robot, mi- military robot user right now, which is interesting. I've never, I don't think I've seen a military robot. No,
1: they're all secretive. Have you? It's crazy that, uh um, On Area 51. And I want to go into this just, uh. I was having a conversation with a friend who knew someone who was in the military, and we were talking about the um, the 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 bill that was just passed to send uh, money to people across the country or whatever. I forget what act it was, but I remember looking through the expenses for it, and the military got like seven hundred billion of the one point five trillion of the relief and uh yeah. my friend was like yeah it's crazy like my friend who's in the military told me that uh when the military gets things like that sometimes they'll get like cutoffs from the government and like they'll be in like iraq or something or wherever they are and they'll buy like a g-wagon and then they'll have to leave the base that they're on and the guy was said that he would have to destroy the g-wagon because people couldn't know that that's what they used all the extra money for. Because there's always so much left over. So I thought that was pretty interesting with the military and how, like, money gets spent, you know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I believe it. Um, Yeah, I believe it too.
1: There's not a solo part of my body that doesn't believe that.
0: uh, But, yeah, the military will definitely be disrupted by robots just again a lot of this is just because of like efficiency yeah and which is natural it's gonna be right um the last uh impact that robot robotics is gonna have that i'm gonna talk about is on the industrial sector Mm -hmm. uh i feel like this is probably like the most widely like people are most aware of this Mm -hmm. uh From the automobile industry to the electronics industry, robots are helping to increase efficiencies on the factory floor. So just robots in production Mm -hmm. doing, like, very mundane tasks. Mm -hmm. Uh, That has been around for a while. Oh, yeah.
1: Now Uh, they got – well, at least for Tesla, I know that. They use robots to just stamp out the cars out of, like, a steel frame. They just stamp them out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, technological advancements and decreasing costs are making industrial robots more affordable to uh, small and mid-sized enterprises and are enabling seamless integration and programming. Um, The International Federation of Robotics, which I didn't know existed, it's called the IFR. (laughs) Uh, Did you know about that? No. It scared me for a second because I thought the robots, it says... International Federation of Robotics, but yeah. I thought it's it said of ro of robots, and I was like, "Oh, oh. fuck, they're, so they're like already they taking their over. own like little government. They already got a yeah, they already got a federation. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, uh, but they have noted that uh three major industries where robotics is making a real impact on the in- is the industrial sector. Mm. Uh, they just make manufacturing a lot more affordable so Uh, what you're saying is that
1: the the biggest disruption in the world's history the industrial revolution and the sector that it created is being disrupted
0: Mm -hmm. yes
1: that is crazy right (laughs) like yep. that
0: listen to this uh Markets and Markets report that the industrial robotics market is forecasted to grow from forty-eight point seven billion in twenty nineteen to seventy-five point six billion in twenty twenty-four. So, in the span of five years, it's like almost gonna almost double. Not really double. That's still but,
1: like if you have that's crazy. Like I know there's people who are gonna listen who don't like those numbers just mean nothing, but. A complete doubling, like that's a lot. Usually, all right. We'll put in what what can you invest into, other than gambling that'll give you a doubling of your money.
0: Well, Tesla for you, you.
1: Yeah, but that's only that's only in that's it. It hasn't even been a doubling strictly on Tesla. That's with other stocks. Those are with disruptive technologies. All of the ones that gave me double returns. Or disruptive yeah. technologies, but if if right. if you're just a regular person who, who are just a person who doesn't invest or does day to just lives day to day to get that type of return, like you're gonna have to rob somebody, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: or like gamble, crime. Like it's it's just it's just not <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time,
0: right? Um, so just wrapping up with robotics, uh how it sort of connects with AI. Um, The growing focus on research and development for advanced sensors and the integration of AI is expected to have a big impact on the market going forward. Moreover, the growing funding by venture capitalists for the manufacturing and designing of industrial robots will foster the healthy growth of the market in the foreseeable future. Um, Basically just saying that, you know, as ai develops and our robotics develop like they're just gonna have a exponentially like greater impact on these industries Mm. um and yeah efficiency is gonna go through the roof once Mm. robotics start taking over and once robotics are programmed with like smarter ais Mm.
1: i saw um i i saw someone who was really uh he was conservative with AI and he was saying that he didn't believe that we would ever get to a general form of AI Uh because it would have to have some kind of human connection or human uh, uh, intuitiveness that we learn as we grow up. Yeah. But he was like, Oh, unless you have AI in people's homes or you have AI like with people, it's never going to happen. But I was like, "Yo, like, With the advancements of robotics that is happening right now, and like you were saying, its connection with AI, that's going to be the bridge to get us to general AI,
0: right? Yeah, and it will be everywhere. I mean, yeah, everywhere developed enough. What's gonna
1: you every time that you walk into a movie theater, right? You have to get Mm -hmm. somebody to give you your ticket, like, what do you just walk in and you just buy right then and there. People who work at movie theaters has already died down so much, you know? Like, we don't need yeah. people there, really.
0: Right, that's to a good run it. point. And, like, self-checkouts at uh, at, supermarkets and stuff?
1: Yeah, and it's only going to be advanced with the use of AI, so...
0: Right. Is Alexa and Siri are technically, like, AIs, right?
1: Yeah, they're language AIs.
0: Um mm-hmm. So they're already like collecting data, and they're probably you know.
1: Oh yeah, they're really weak though. I I I would they are artificial intelligence, but I still think like we're at a one point two right now globally for artificial intelligence. But I think Alexa on its own is like like a point six five point seven. Like it's not a full. I would be able to give it way more actions today. Mm. Google's AI is good. Google's voice ai is great but
0: yeah
1: that one's like a 1.
0: 1.2 yeah i'm sure it's easier for google because they have so much data mm-hmm. um all right um the next um disruption i'll be talking about is blockchain i mm-hmm. um, gonna read a lot about blockchain because i I personally didn't know what it was and it took me a few reads to understand it. Mm. Um, Blockchain is the distributed ledger technology underlying Bitcoin that uses software algorithms to record transactions or any digital interaction with reliability, security, and anonymity. Uh, When a transaction takes place, a number of separate computers connected across the network process the algorithm and verify the transaction. Basic information is stored in the ledger about each transaction, such as sender, receiver, time, asset type, and quantity. Each new transaction is mathematically linked to those that came before it. Thus the blockchain processes ensure or er, process ensures validity. Once entered into a blockchain, information can never be erased. Thus, a blockchain contains an accurate and verifiable record of every transaction ever made. Uh, What? (laughs) What? (laughs) It's a lot.
1: Um, That is absurd. I'm going to read that again. Once entered into a (laughs) blockchain, information can never be erased thus a blockchain contains an accurate and verifiable record of every transaction ever made
0: which is confusing cuz like it's anonymous right or it's like untraceable but it, there is record of it
1: it must be uh... that it's linked like it's 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 proven but that doesn't necessarily mean it's linked to you oh yeah sender receiver general... time
0: yeah, I bet the general uh information is Yeah. What's anonymous and then like but like the actual transaction is recorded. Yeah. Um But that's what makes it so safe
1: though, because right. to my knowledge, even with the use of like you can't hack into a blockchain because each chain it's like a it's like a yes go type thing. So it takes the the transaction before it to sign off and say, like, yes, go. You know what I mean? And it allows like right. passing of
0: information like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the combination of the ledger and the blockchain technology makes Bitcoin, or any other system, a virtual, distributed, and decentralized entity requiring no third party to validate the transactions. It is for this reason that Bitcoin is often referred to as a trustless syst- system. Um. So. The. I'm gonna go over like the, the best attributes about blockchain, which is gonna make them, have the impact on. Mainly the financial sector. Mm. Uh. Hugely on financial sector, yeah. Right, because it just the, efficiency with transactions and stuff, but. These are these are the five or the four key attributes of blockchain. Uh, one being security; hacking is impossible given the ledger is distributed al- across thousands of computers, reducing server maintenance requirements and improving security for banks. So that goes back to like how it's referred to as a trustless system because you can, you know, you can't b- really be hacked. Um, transparency. The sender and recipient of each transactions are recorded, and all the transactions are publicly available for inspection. So while it's like anonymous,
1: uh, and this you is, know it's...
0: go ahead, Mike. What were you gonna say? You go ahead.
1: I was gonna say this is that it, it is um, jogging my memory on it. What makes it so crazy for blockchain? The sec- the security aspect of it is that. You only get a piece of information that is protected at each individual computer or computer system uh, across many computers. So when you attempt to go hack a computer for that one piece of information, a computer, you only get a small piece of the information. So it's like, it's like each, each computer only has a piece of the chain. So you get a full mm-hmm. chain to get like the the actual what happened to the money who sent it like where is it coming from so it's difficult to trace almost it's pretty much impossible to trace
0: Mm -hmm. uh the third key attribute is privacy users are anonymous and can move money around instantly and securely this allows banks to save time and reduces costs on our international transactions so yeah like i said efficiency Mm -hmm. big role uh in this disruption um and the final key attribute is risk. Uh currently if a bank system goes down, users are unable to perform transactions. Using the blockchain technology, the bl- the bank system would continue as normal. So mm. it l- minimizes like the you know the possibility of a bank like shutting down or like having some issue with where they're putting money or mm. where money is moving uh cuz it's all just it's like instant transactions, safe transactions, secure and transparent. Um, Um,
1: yeah. So what's so different about it is that it's a new form of money. So, uh, it's not connected to any one singular government. So for a while, China was trying to get rid of Bitcoin because it kind of undersells or undercuts the economies that the world is built on. Um, for example, gold. Usually, gold is one of the most steady uh, uh, investments and form of currency that we have, because the price the price of it just doesn't change that much, even in recessions. Usually, in recessions, gold goes up, and then when uh, times of when times are fine, gold usually levels out and stays steady. But this is a completely new form where governments like. China are trying to get rid of it, but they can't because it's on the internet and the internet's just forever. So you got other countries who pick it up, like Japan picked it up, Singapore picked it up, and now it's valuations at $40,000. And I just checked a few days ago and it was $30,000. So uh, extremely disruptive to banks and governments.
0: right Um, so mainly I mean it is a form of currency so naturally it's going to have an impact on the financial sector Uh, the blockchain technology has the potential of disrupting industries such as financial services remaking business practices such as accounting and auditing and enabling new business models so it's basically going to cut out a lot of accountants and even like maybe financial advisors Mm. Um, for the financial services sector blockchain offers opportunity to overhaul existing banking infrastructure speed settlements and streamline stock exchanges thus the shared public ledger has the potential to radically simplify banking by reducing costs improving product offerings and increasing speed for banks Mm. um with i was thinking about like with ai like Cause you, there is the ability to just like, you can make money off of any movement in stock prices, by like shorting or longing whatever. Yeah. Uh, off of any,
1: yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You'd be able to. If, you'd be able, you possibly, yeah, yeah. Because it's already, they're already trying to create AI's to predict the stock
0: market, but. Right, and I, so if we get to that like GI thing like anyone with that will be able to make like incredible amounts of money I think mm.
1: which is why it should be open to everyone I don't think one person should just have it I think it should be like water or it should be right, like yeah. electricity mm-hmm. like it's something that granted those are things that even today are tough to get to everyone but if your government is able to have it I think that it should be given to everyone
0: right Um I hear that
1: And yeah, there's also parts of it too. The other impact of it is that now living in the life that we have in COVID, people are going to look at the way that we used to live differently when we come out of it. And I don't even think it's going to be for a few years. But Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right now, look at downtowns all across the country. Downtown is empty. Um, Yeah. And where are all the banks? All the biggest, largest banks are always downtown. If not, they're in the middle of the city. They're always big buildings, nice buildings. They have a bunch of real estate that they own, but now people aren't going into banks. And mm-hmm. it's advantageous for companies. Uh well, Bitcoin's one of them, but also PayPal, um, Apple Pay, uh, and mobile banking that is there's a shift. And right now the finan- the the the, bar- uh, the barrier to entry for large banks to take on uh, customers is wildly apparent. It takes about yeah. 1500 or 1200 to have someone start a bank account. That's just with the fees and the, the variables involved and uh, and that's just the cost for them to start you on an account, credit cards, things like that. It's about twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. For an online mobile bank to start you as a customer, it costs them about ten to twenty dollars. And it's <laughs> a lot more it's easier for people to use too, because the 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 you don't have to go to a bank, you can just use your phone. And there's ATMs right. almost everywhere. So the financial sector should be hugely disrupted by blockchain and by extension online banking. Mm-hmm.
0: That's for sure. Uh, but that finishes up the blockchain segment. Mm. Um, did you want to go into energy? Yeah,
1: so um, one of the next, uh, another interesting sector that's going to be disrupted is the energy sector, um, which is really exciting. Uh, exciting for renewables, uh uh like uh solar and wind and hydro those are really exciting but it may be a little bit more difficult than uh a lot of governments are being coy with but i'm also very optimistic on it so but i just want to talk about some of the limitations we have right now Um, but it will the main problem with it is batteries and the efficiencies of uh of the renewables specifically solar and um and wind so the problem that we're having right now with solar and wind is that we're reaching the the maximums or the 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 physical limits of the efficiencies of the systems so right now we're about only at 30% or 33% so like 30% for for solar and like 33 percent for wind of the energy that is being produced and as opposed to the energy that's being captured so what can help with that a lot is making sure that we get as much energy as possible to batteries so batteries are the the biggest limiting factor on how well these renewables will work uh so thank thankfully over the past uh 20 years the price of batteries has dropped uh dr- drastically i think by uh well for example uh a robot made in today for spot it's a it's a one of the boston dynamic robots i don't know if anyone's ever seen it before but Probably in the videos of the dancing robots, the yellow one that looks like a dog, that one today, that battery costs around four thousand six hundred dollars. And back in 2000, 2001, that same battery would cost around forty six thousand dollars. So battery technology has made it possible in the advancements so that storage of energy has become very cheap and we're starting to hit an inflection point by 2025 where it'll be cheaper to have a battery-powered vehicle than it will be to have a gas-powered vehicle. So that's not far from now. Um, So it's looking very good for uh, the energy sector. Um, So what this has really done uh, has and I quote from the International Energy Agency, which is another agency I didn't know existed, Mike. But (laughs) it shows a great breakaway from the historic top-down supply structure that has marked electricity systems for more than a century. Uh, The most most important um, disrupted energy resource change, it says, has been the growth of rooftop solar photovoltaics, so just solar panels, whose global installations grew from 10.7 gigawatts in 2010 to 45.7 gigawatts in 2016 and could soar to 73 gigawatts by 2021. Um, in Australia, for example, more than 20% of households uh, already are equipped with rooftop solar photovoltaics, um, the IEA says. So it just shows the progression that we're on and... Uh, how important uh, renewables will be in the future. But I do want to preface this by saying that that is massive disruption, but it's going to be something where we're moving towards it. Even today, we're not at a point where we're just going to flip a switch and everything's going to be renewables. and Everything's going to be dandy and we're just going to get rid of the ozone layer. But uh, yeah, so it's definitely shows great progression but still, it's going to be a mix. It's going to be a mix. It's going to be natural gas, a little bit less oil, less coal. Um, so uh, it's definitely looking up for the energy sector. But it does need a lot more help from, from battery production. Uh, as of last year, uh, the largest battery manufacturer in the world was Tesla. And... At its max production level, it would have taken 500 years to produce enough batteries for the U.S. energy needs for a day. So we are very far away. Um, we do have new advancements in battery technology that will help a lot uh, with battery production. Uh, Tesla's coming out with a 4680 battery, which is it's a tabless electrode, and it... It pretty much is a battery that fights degradation and can last a lot longer and store a lot more energy. So those are one of the two best things you can have in a battery. One that becomes more efficient, it is cheaper, and fights against degradation. So uh, we have Tesla and Panasonic, who's soon to be ramping up their own production. Uh, They're going to start a product line soon. Just as a prototype product line, and then try and ramp up to um, to Tesla's levels. Um,
0: Panasonic. Wow.
1: So that's interesting. That's what the future is really gonna hold. We need a lot more batteries. Batteries are extremely important. Uh, It's one of I think one of the most uh, undersold forms of technology we have. Uh, So it's a lot of production that's gonna have to be done for us to get to that level. Cool. Um yeah, so that's definitely a huge disruption for old oil companies and naturally um large auto manufacturers who don't want
0: to hear that. Right, that'll be a positive disruption though for the earth.
1: Yeah, massive disruption for cuz it opens up the ability for more uh renewables to be used viably. Right. Uh, and drive down the price because what's interesting is now it's getting even cheaper to to install and produce uh, um renewables. And I think it was just last year was the first time in history that renewables have become cheaper than coal. So it's only uh, going to get more powerful as time goes on. I had someone hmm. who I was watching as I was studying, as I was looking to for information about the energy sector, I found someone who was speaking about how um, that will never get to a point where we have renewables based on battery technology. I felt bad because to his audience, he wasn't giving them the full story of how battery technology is ramping and is becoming more efficient. And also that right now we're on a, it's on, we are ramping production. So we're trying to get more batteries and more renewables, but we're not trying to get more coal. We're not trying to find more natural gas. You know, what I mean, that's just the way that the world is moving to. Um, and a lot of countries are getting behind it. Hmm. Um, the next one I want to get into for disruptions is gene therapy, which I find uh, personally most interesting. Uh,
0: yeah, it's fascinating
1: because I have a lot of text in front of me on it, but just from in at university studying things that used to seem as if they were fantastical, but now are true and real. Um, we've talked about CRISPR on uh, the podcast before. Uh, I'm, I think the episode is called "Getting CRISPR with It," Mike. I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. so if you want to find more information on that I go more into CRISPR specifically that episode but this I just want to go into CRISPR naturally and gene therapy as a whole so what makes CRISPR so interesting and there are real life examples of this I know people are probably wondering oh how'd they make a vaccine so fast like it only took them like a few months well they used it they created it using CRISPR so that's how they were able to create it so fast, um, and generally, what it is is it's a hacking of uh, of viruses, adenoviruses. So viruses that infect you with a cold or affect you with um, diseases. Um, they're they hack their system. So what they do is there's a capsid, which is a loop of DNA that is inside of a virus. So what happens is when that virus enters your bloodstream or enters your, your cell's nucleus, it's packaged inside of the cell, the, the actual piece of the DNA that's going to infect you. Um... So what 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 scientists have been able to do is that they have used RNA polymerase which is just the the system that actually writes your DNA it they have been able to take pieces of that same DNA and rewrite it with anything that they want using Cas9 a protein and reverse transcriptase, so the reverse operation. So by doing this, they're able to write in a piece of DNA that they want to insert into somebody's body, and then your body will start to create whatever uh, whatever uh, whatever rules are placed by the person who created the the mRNA. So pretty much they're just hacking your dna system to make you create your own uh your your own immunity to a disease so it's very revolutionary i want to try and make it as simple as possible but um it's a massive breakthrough because if you're able to insert any piece of dna that you want you could theoretically uh cure any disease and also using this same method, that's how they, and using new, new uh, therapies like PCR, which, um, which can map out your genome, you could theoretically cure any disease. Uh, and it has massive implications naturally to any form of healthcare, because the whole point, as sad as it is, healthcare makes money off of sick people. So if we have something that's capable of this, it may just change the whole layout of the medical field. Maybe instead of going to see a doctor for pain, you may just go see a geneticist.
0: Mm-hmm. That'd be crazy. Uh, um, well it... Any disease at all? What about, like, brain diseases?
1: Yeah, so it, it's open to that. That's also open because you're... De- so... So what makes it so different is that if you can map out someone's genome and decide, like, here is a place where this person is six, they can use CRISPR to not only cut out that gene, they could also use it to replace whatever gene was in there. So okay, it's right there on the table. Yes. Yeah, so if they can, if they can take out one piece of DNA and replace it, that's where you're able to theoretically cure cure any disease. And with the mapping of the DNA of the D- DNA sequencing, you can create the DNA problem into a software problem, not a hardware problem. That w- is your DNA. So with the use of AI, it can also propel this forward into
0: into fantasy. Interesting. We'll, like, finally, we'll also figure out if uh, addiction really is a disease. <laughs> What'd you say? I guess we can really find out if addiction's really a disease now.
1: Yeah, because it can... It, they can track any, any sequencing of DNA. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be interesting how it affects... um the medical field uh, I'm curious and it would also there are also other implications to it so if you're able to change someone's DNA and find out which genes affect uh, which how genes affect people and which genes are responsible for what uh, you could also create children who aren't uh, susceptible to the diseases of their parents potentially so it's very interesting uh one of the studies that was done recent i think it was they used crispr to take out a gene i think it was i want to find the exact gene i want to say it was ava9 but it was a gene in mice and it was able to extend the life expectancy of mice who were susceptible to a disease by up to 150 days um and end up being about like 13% of the of the mice's the mouse's life and potentially in humans that could extend our life up to 10 to 13 years hmm. um so with the use of crispr they they believe that today They can have children born today that could reach life expectancies of up to 145 with the addition of all of these changes over time. Uh, So we could find that people have more healthy and fulfilling lives using uh, gene therapies uh, like CRISPR.
0: Would you want to live 140 years, you think?
1: Well, my thing before I was thinking that I wouldn't want to live to 145 because I thought that my quality of life would be so terrible, but if they're able to simultaneously increase quality of life, like if, if, if by 145, I felt like I was a hundred, I think I would do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you were a hundred and you felt like you were like 70 or 80
1: yeah exactly That'd yeah be cool or like if i yeah if I felt like I was seventy or even at that scale'd be i'd feel like i was sixty five at a hundred that's yeah that's crazy that is crazy um so yeah people also attribute to maybe designer babies babies who or people who can <laughs> eat uh where people they're um
0: they're what i'm looking for could there uh, eliminate allergies huh could we eliminate allergies
1: yeah that's also on the table too it's really because everything that any disease or deficiency you can think of is brought upon by dna that's just because at some point your dna decided to switch something on and it would say you have allergies or mm-hmm. uh this this specific these nine genes are uh these nine genes are responsible for you to have um uh, maybe cancer at a young age uh things like that so if you're able to cut out those genes and replace them then you could theoretically cure anything but the problem that well the things that we don't know. So this is, this is cool that things that we can possibly do in the future, but there are some downsides to this. And one of them being that we don't understand how DNA works enough. So we don't know if it's like a switch system where if you switch one gene or take one gene out, that the lack of having that gene or the addition of another gene will cause some other new disease to to
0: Right, yeah. The, we'll have to like develop that. <sighs> That's crazy stuff. No, it definitely Good God.
1: is. It absolutely it is. is. It's um it's curious to see how uh things will go with it, but
0: we're awesome. really living in the future. Awesome.
1: So we did have so knowing all of this, this is the question I would ask you. Or we could take a okay. a slight breath, because here it comes. Ready?
0: <sighs> yep. <sighs>
1: okay. So, I would ask you and the people listening that, with all of the information about the disruptions and the use of AI and where AI sits and how the world it will look, based on things that we have done and things that are to come, how do you believe? Uh, are you okay with it? Or are you scared with the possibilities that these disruptions bring?
0: Um, so the question I was thinking of was, when are you going to kill yourself? Uh, oh my
1: gosh. That's never going to happen. So, I would never just take my own life.
0: <laughs> if robots are about to take over and they like what if they get the idea that like humans are the worst thing that's happened to the, wor- the world and they need to be tortured? Or yeah. like, they enslave us.
1: It's crazy because it's really not out of the question. Yeah,
0: it's not super far-fetched.
1: It's not. Not at all.
0: So I think since that was the question I was thinking about, I'm probably a little more on the nervous side rather than optimistic, but I don't know. I I know it'll make things a lot more efficient. I just don't know whether we're necessarily ready for all that efficiency or ready for like, we all are, that stuff to take place. I think
1: at least yeah. to begin with we're going to see a huge... Increase in quality of life. But. Years after that. I think that. Things may turn. Because.
0: I what makes say me this. most nervous. Is the say? unpredictable. What makes me most nervous. Is like the unpredictable nature of AI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like say. Say they start to make. A police force of robot AI robots, right? Yeah, and they like I don't know, they I don't know, it's just like so much havoc could be wreaked. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, because we don't, and and the thing about it too is like when you're talking about something over the potential intelligence of a super AI. It would be mm-hmm. the equivalent to you or I to like an individual ant or you or I to like a mouse. Right. So it's like at that point, I just don't know. Like, oh, I, I don't know what that would look like. Like our the way that we evolve is based linearly. So we evolve day to day using new information inputs and physically by uh, external factors. Which takes millions of years. But if the system's able to iterate and change itself on an exponentially ever increasing rate, what does that mean? What it that like it will look different in a month and act different in a month than we would have in millions of years.
0: hmm So would you Do you think you're more on the Excited or nervous side?
1: Day to day, it's difficult. I've actually, to be completely honest, I've had times literally in the past two weeks or even week and a half from researching this where I've been like, I don't know if I want to have kids because a lot of the timelines for when we'll hit that singularity will be in, at the latest I've seen is 20 years, 19 years. And if I had a kid tomorrow, would I want my 20-year-old child to live in a world that could potentially end? Like, I don't know. So I've come to the conclusion, like, I probably will. I probably will have kids, but it's just an idea. Um, And I've also come to the idea that I would... Right now, I'm fighting very hard to be optimistic. Like, I'm on my last legs, though. Because... (laughs) Yeah. If, if, so, if you were a super, super powered being and you yeah. saw what the world was like, what would you do? And that's the scariest question. Because I feel like the obvious answer, it's the obvious answer.
0: Yeah, right. I you would destroy humans. us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> yeah well that was a lot I'm overwhelmed
1: oh yeah I would ask people their opinions I really am curious now after for those who are able to finish or able to get through um, I'm curious their reaction and how they feel about it
0: word yeah so um if you listen to the episode go ahead and dm us your reaction or your thoughts Uh, we're at dtms underscore podcast yeah
1: please do i'm because i'm really curious because i both of us after researching it we've i think i have become a little more pessimistic i was already and i'm already an optimist but mike was like i think he got even more pessimistic yeah
0: I'm definitely um an AIist now.
1: Mm. And it's it's a real thing though. And I just want to I think that we did a good job on telling and pushing the narrative that like this is something you should know about. You should know where your data is going because it's going to help create them or help round them out and polish them. So you should just know.
0: Right. Everyone should be aware of it. Mm. But, yeah, uh, solid episode. We got a lot of covered. Uh, lots of interesting stuff. Uh, like I said, follow us on Instagram at DTMS underscore podcast. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And message us your opinions, because we're very curious. Right. Um,
0: any progress with the cereal basket bracket?
1: Yeah, I got it up. I have it all created, but... Yeah, it's coming.
0: All right. I uh, think that's it then. Alright, word. I'll be streaming tonight, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So hit me up, Bane of Dover, B A I N E O F D O V E R. It's also on my Instagram. Uh. So yeah.
1: All right, guys. We're See out of here. Pod thirty episode. in the books.
0: 30 of them.
1: Yep. All right, guys. The longest we've had yet. All right.